United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. It was not long ago, as a matter of fact, uh, doing the math nine days ago, that the Nobel Prize was awarded in, the, uh, in Norway. It's the usual place for such things, Oslo. And if you've never heard the name, we, we had mentioned when he was actually awarded the prize, Dr. Denise Mukwakwe, who uh, is the founder of Ponzi Hospital. He operates on people as young as babies who have been victimized by, by sexual violence. And in the remarks that he was delivering, um, just a moment or two, if you will, of some of the things he said during the speech that he had delivered, a little bit of Dr. Mukwakwe. Doing the right thing is not hard, says he. Doing the right thing is not hard. It is a matter of political will. We must acknowledge the suffering of the survivors of all acts of violence against women in armed conflicts and support their holistic recovery process. Again, I'm just giving you a very short part of what it was about 30 minutes long. Joining us is somebody who was there uh, as he was receiving the award. Dr. Kathleen Canast is Director of Gender Policy and Strategy at the U.S. Institute of Peace, tweeting at uh, Kath Canast. I will spell it out for you a little bit later. Uh, Dr. Kathleen Canast, thank you and welcome uh, to POTUS today. Thanks so much, Tim. For people who are not familiar with the good doctor, uh, it's just stunning what he has undergone to deal with what he considers to be and what many probably consider to be an international travesty, and that is the sexual violence. Give us a sense of your friendship with him, what drives him, and what got the Nobel Committee to give him this much-deserved award. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, first of all, uh, Dr. McQuaggy, has, uh, he's an obstetrician, a gynecologist in the Congo, and for the last 15 years, he has been uh, operating on uh, women, children, and men who have been victims of sexualized violence. This means that he has uh, seen the worst that humanity can uh, do to one another. He uh, has realized that it's not enough to physically heal somebody, but then the emotional uh, impact of this violent and often torturous type of crime has to take many, many years. And so he developed Ponzi Hospital at this point. Uh, you can calm your dog if you want. That's okay. <laughs> it happens occasionally. Right. They get a little noisy. That's all right. You know what strikes me? Reading his story, too, and, and the accounts of what he, has, you know, what he has done and tried to do, but the dedication, because he himself has been threatened, and one wonders, I mean, you talk about the institutional violence and the fact that he has actually been under attack. He's had rifles pointed at him. He has been injured. He has been uh, shot at, and uh, as a result of the stance he has taken. Yes, I, it, it's important to keep it in the context of uh, the civil war in the Congo. And, in fact, sexual violence has been used as a weapon of war there. So he has stood up to uh, these rebels and he has taken a stand. And he has taken a stand, of course, in his remarks at the Nobel Peace Prize ceremony. 
uh, that indifference by the international community can no longer be tolerated, that this is a security issue. It is not only an issue that happens to women, children, and men in conflict, but it is really signals uh, the total destruction of the rule of law at the local level. And then, of course, in armed conflict, we see that it is also uh, used as a strategy to break apart a community. And we see this over time. It's, uh, the Congo is not unique. And, of course, the other awardee, uh, Ms. Nadia Marat, from uh, northern Iraq, the Kurdish region, from a Yazidi uh, group that has been long uh, victimized and, of course, uh, is dealing with genocide at this point. These are issues that the global community has been trying to tackle, especially the last 10 years uh, when the UN Security Council Resolution 1820 was introduced to recognize that sexual violence indeed uh, can be used as a weapon, just like a gun. And as uh, uh, Patrick Kamar, who uh, was a UN general in the Congo, said, uh, sexual violence is uh, cheaper than a bullet and much more effective. This is why uh, Dr. McQuaggy, uh, Nadia Marat, in her own Nadia's initiative, are really trying to bring this to the policymakers that this is uh, a serious crime, that it needs to be treated uh, uh, through the through the courts, uh, the international uh, courts. And then, of course, the uh, new uh, consideration that Dr. McQuaggy put on the table during his Nobel Peace Acceptance Lecture was that there needs to be a global fund for reparations for the victims of this form of crime. I'm glad you also brought up uh, Nadia Murat, as you mentioned, the Yazidi woman, and she was captured by ISIS. She escaped. So, he, in some ways, representing those who help victims, she, an actual victim of this. I kind of wonder, this is a pretty heavy subject, what was it, what was it like in the room as both of them were speaking? Uh, in the room, uh, people were uh, totally in uh, focus mode, and uh, in talking to some of my other uh, Norwegian colleagues, they've never seen such a response. The, the standing ovations the applause, uh, people were standing in solidarity with what they, you know, were saying to the world that we can no longer be indifferent around this type of criminal activity. Uh, sexual violence, of course, is, is certainly in the ISIS case has been used as a form of, uh, you know, violent extremist uh, uh, ways to break the community apart. And the Yazidis is an unfortunate group that experienced uh, thousands upon thousands of their young women and children captured into um, sexual trafficking and, and as sex slaves. And that indeed is what happened to Nadia Marat. Uh, she escaped and to tell the story, and she has become a huge activist on behalf of uh, other victims of sexual violence, and of course, on behalf of her um, group, the Yazidis. 
Dr. Kathleen Canass with us, Director of Gender Policy and Strategy at the U.S. Institute of Peace. I'd like to, if we could, drill down specifically on one of the suggestions made by, I believe, both Nadia Murad and Dr. Mukwege, which has to do with uh, reparations or somehow um, getting money for victims and two victims. How would that happen? I mean, where would the money come from? How would it be distributed? What's the basis on which something like this could actually take place? Or is it too early to really understand some of the mechanics of something like that? Well, I don't think it's too early because Dr. McQuaggy is hoping that uh, such an international fund could be uh, already operational uh, within a year. Uh, So uh, people were very much talking about this in Oslo, especially in the side lectures and forums that go on during the whole uh, few days of the uh, Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, ceremony and associated events. Um, I think it's it's uh, certainly going to be uh, something that all who are engaged in crafting this must keep in mind that it cannot do further harm. This is, of course, you know, to retry whether you are a victim or not. And these are some of the issues that have been going on in Colombia. And I think Colombia offers some good case uh, uh, examples of uh, the the good things and the bad things that can come from reparations as such if they are not well orchestrated and context-driven. This uh, can't be a fund that one shoe fits all. It it has to really be driven by the context of the, the particular conflict and the types of sexual violence. For example, um, in Sierra Leone, we know, uh, and this, of course, was over a decade ago, but children, both boys and girls, were not only victims, but perpetrators of sexual violence. Uh, The work of uh, Professor Derek A. Cohen out of Harvard has really uh, put this into, uh, you know, a highlighted understanding that sexual violence takes different forms in different conflicts. Thus, the reparations must reflect those unique predicaments. Uh, Obviously, uh, reparations would uh, certainly give uh, help, needed help, to many of these victims. We forget that uh, when women are raped, children can be a product of that rape. And they, too, are vulnerable because in many societies, children of a rape from uh, in conflict will be ostracized and will, uh, so the stigma also must be addressed. So reparations must be more than just the financial support, but must be uh, dealing with the stigma in the society. And uh, I would say the Yazidis uh, leadership has really taken on that issue in making sure that all of the young women who were sex slaves and, and, and victims of this sexual violence are welcomed back back in their society. So it has to be a whole of society approach. It must be at the bureaucratic level, but it also has to be at the grassroots because money, as we all know, is not going to heal people. It has to be a whole of institutional and societal approach. And so having the Nobel Prize recipients of Dr. McGuigi and Nadia Murat is a step in a global consciousness that this type of violence in war 
and in peace, we should add, any kind of sexual violence must end. And it must be prosecuted and reparations should be a part of the process. Dr. Kanas, thank you so much for joining us on POTUS today. Thank you, Tim. Always happy to join you. Dr. Kathleen Kanas, Director of Gender Policy and Strategy at the U.S. Institute of Peace, discussing the recent ceremonies in Oslo honoring the Nobel Peace Prize winners of this year. Dr. Dennis McQuaggy of the Congo and Nadia Murad, a Yazidi woman who was captured by ISIS, escaped to tell her story. Sexual violence, an issue that both deal with in their own way and bravely. And it is an important issue, one we wanted to bring to your attention if you hadn't heard. Uh, by the way, Kathy is tweeting at Dr. Kanast, is tweeting at Kath, K-A-T-H, Kanast, K-U-E-H-N-A-S-T. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.